the most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handled them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member FDIC. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Pushkin. I'm Maeve Higgins, and this is Solvable, interviews with the world's most innovative thinkers working to solve the world's biggest problems. My solvable is to balance the carbon cycle and fight climate change through incentivized prizes and innovation. Now, we told you that solvable likes to tackle the biggest problems, and this one may even be the biggest climate change affects and exacerbates many of the other complex problems humankind is grappling with. We have heard from people working to reduce our use of fossil fuels, to prevent food waste and to resolve conflicts that arise from climate change related shortages. This episode, our guest is trying to fix climate change head on. She is Anusha Ansari, the CEO of the XPRIZE Foundation, and she's an astronaut Throw your mind back to science class and you'll recall that carbon dioxide enters the atmosphere through burning fossil fuels, solid waste, trees and other biological materials. Some of that CO2 is absorbed by plants as part of the biological carbon cycle. But we're pumping out so much of it. Those natural cycles, they can't cope. That means there's too much CO2 and other greenhouse gases left in the atmosphere. And this messes with the temperature here on Earth, making it hotter and making our weather cycles increasingly extreme and unpredictable, with knock-on effects throughout the ecosystem for all life on Earth. The Global Carbon Project reported that carbon emissions reached an all-time high in 2018, a terrible new record. So we're in the middle of an extinction event, forests are on fire, the seas are dying, there's plastic in our blood... But many people are working to prevent climate chaos from getting even worse. There are some bright spots with huge growth in renewables and other low carbon technologies leading the charge. 
And remember, this is solvable. I want to read you a quote from the Swedish climate activist Greta Thunberg. Here's what she says. It is still not too late to act. It will take a far-reaching vision. It will take courage. It will take fierce, fierce determination to act now, to lay the foundations where we may not know all the details about how to shape the ceiling. And our guest today is one of those women who are laying down the foundations for a different, better future. Anusha Ansari is an engineer and she was the first Iranian ever to go into space. Her organization, the XPRIZE Foundation, runs competitions with huge prizes given out to the best problem-solving ideas. Previously, they've run competitions to empower children to teach themselves to read and write, to develop technology to create water from air, and to create monitors that can check ocean water chemistry down to the deepest depths. Now, basically, anybody can enter these competitions. A winning team could be made up of scientists, but the prize isn't limited to scientists. So it could be awarded to students, teachers, librarians, industrial workers, anybody who comes up with the winning solution. The prize Anoushe speaks about in this episode is the NRG COSIA Carbon X Prize. It seeks to develop CO2 conversion technologies ultimately to be able to remove carbon from the atmosphere and reduce climate change. Teams will be judged on how much CO2 they're able to convert and how much this will cost. So, instead of backing the development of one potential solution which may or may not work, Anoushe believes that the competition will mean lots of teams turning their attention to the problem, getting us to the answer faster. So here she is in conversation with Anne Applebaum. So what is it about this issue that made you want to tackle it? How did you come to the idea of giving prizes for the solutions to particular issues? The world is full of big problems that sometimes they're so big that we just turn our head away from it and don't want to deal with it. At the same time, as an engineer, I know how technology has advanced rapidly especially in the recent years, and how solutions are within reach. But without some effort in bringing these solutions together and to market, we won't be able to solve these problems. What got me really interested in XPRIZE was the fact that through incentivized competition, we can really raise awareness about the problem, the magnitude of the problem, the steps to solve those problems, and also at the same time, the very special effect of incentivized competition, which is a multiplier factor. For example, my family and I became involved with XPRIZE Foundation with the first prize, which was around opening up space to private sector. And the prize purse was $10 million, which we sponsored. But this $10 million brought in $100 million of investment through all the teams. There were 26 teams from 11 countries that uh, entered to compete. And this $100 million of uh, investment brought about a lot of innovation, some of which some of these teams that didn't even win turned out to be valid companies that are still in place today, even years after the competition. And not only that, we were able through the awareness and education that we did with policymakers, with the market, create new policies that actually helped create a new marketplace that estimated to be around 10 billion plus. Some people say it's going to get to 100 billion plus very soon. 
And we created this whole economy that didn't exist before. And the same thing can be done for all the different problems that we have in the world, including the SDGs. And this is what really attracts me to XPRIZE and the work we do at XPRIZE because it really makes the problems seem solvable and it creates a way for us to see the solutions within reach. And it doesn't rely on governments or the private sector alone, but a collaboration and a work that encompasses everyone around the world to come together and the solutions that comes within the crowd. Explain a little bit about what the XPRIZE is. Who thought of it? How does it work? XPRIZE Foundation was created almost 25 years ago, which is difficult to even uh, fathom. But the founder is Peter Diamandis, and uh, he is someone who is very um, solution-oriented. And uh, he also had a passion for uh, going to space. And he was given a book by a friend that described the life of Charles Lindbergh and how he flew from New York to Paris to win a prize called Ortique Prize. It was a $25,000 prize. And this flight and this prize is what really created the entire aviation industry. So since he wanted to go to space, he decided, well, maybe he can apply the same thing in space and create an incentive prize that will really bring a lot of people who would create spaceships to go to space and, and allow for this type of industry to be created around space travel. So he calculated roughly the $25,000 back then would equate to $10 million of today's money. And uh, he announced the prize. However, what he didn't count on was the fact that no one would actually want to sponsor it because it would be very risky in the mind of a lot of corporates and uh, high net worth individuals. So he tried for many years to find a sponsor And in one article where I was interviewed, he read about my passion of going to space. And we had just sold uh, our company uh, that I co-founded with my family. And when he read that uh, article, he decided that he needs to come talk to me. And he found me and told me about the prize. And as an entrepreneur, I was fascinated with the concept because I thought, wow, this is de-risking R&D. This is de-risking investment in a new idea because you really don't pay until someone actually builds and shows you the solution works. In tech, you spend tons of money in R&D and you don't even know if it's going to work at the end or not. So to me, it made a lot of sense and my family really was excited about being involved with it. So we became the title sponsors and about four years later, the prize was won in 2004 by Bert Rutan, who was backed by Paul Allen. Paul Allen invested $30 million in the company Scaled Composite with Bert Rutan to win the prize, the $10 million prize. And right at the time the prize was won, Richard Branson announced that he's going to sign a contract and make it into a commercial venture, which was always our ultimate goal for the prize. So... The first prize seemed to be so successful in demonstrating all the things we hoped 
we decided that we need to scale this and apply it to other problems in the world. So after the first prize, then truly our work began in looking at what are some of the other grand challenges. Because if we can solve the problem of going to space, we can solve anything now. <laughs> so that, that was the idea. And Peter is still the executive chairman of the organization and very, very active and a big proponent of using exponential technologies to solve world's grandest challenges. And how do you go about choosing what problems can be solved? I mean, as you say, you know, the, the world is full of difficult issues. What inspires you to choose one over the other? We have seven domains um, that we concentrate our work in those seven domains. It's around education, energy, environment, uh, mobility and transport, civil society, health and longevity, and education. And when we look at problems and which ones are really X prizes, we try to uh, look at a space where not enough private or public sector investment and awareness is going. So if we feel that the public is very focused on solving the problem and there are private uh, companies that are you know, investing money or there are lots of NGOs trying to solve that problem and they're making good progress, then we don't feel like we need to do an incentivized prizes. Instead, we in each domain, we basically started looking at a desired future in, in different areas. We just published our uh, future roadmap to, uh, for forests. So we looked at where do we want our forests to be, you know, 30, 40 years from now. And where are we today? Are we on a trajectory together? And if we are not, what is required to shift our trajectory together? What technological breakthroughs do we need? What uh, policy changes we need? What behavior changes we need? So we spend a lot of time studying this and we publish a report, which the Future Forest is already published on our website. And through this process, we identify areas of breakthrough and then we analyze to see if there is enough work going into creating those breakthroughs. If we don't see work going in that direction or investment going in that direction, then we create the prize around it and we launch it through support from sponsors. And then we try to shepherd the process to bring those solutions to market. One of the issues that you have worked on is the issue of climate change. And this is one that's really vast and encompasses everything from climate science to um, energy technology to, as you say, shepherding of or organizing of forests and so on. How did you break that subject down? How did you begin to think about it in a narrow, solvable way? How did you come to the conclusion that this was the piece of it that you wanted to tackle? And, and maybe you could describe what that piece is. When we look at the issue of climate change, we can, of course, look at it in many different directions. And we do a lot of different prizes and, and incentives that uh, look at these different aspects. So, for example, we look at the ocean and the health of the oceans and the impact. We looked at the regeneration of corals. But the one that we were very concerned about is when we looked at global warming specifically and the CO2 in the atmosphere, there's, there were enough work going toward alternative energies, for example, solar, wind, and there were plans in trying to put these new alternative sources of energies in place. But when you look at the numbers and you see that we need to take 10 billion tons of CO2 out of the atmosphere 
before 2050. Otherwise, we will not make the 1.5 degree limits that we need to reach. You saw that we're nowhere near reaching uh, those numbers. So we needed to look at how do we take CO2 out of the atmosphere. And even though we saw there are some technologies and ideas on the table, not enough focus is going to actually putting those into place and into the market at scale and at the, with a sustainable business model. So what we did is we started launching a series of prizes. We have one active prize, the NRG COSIA Carbon Prize today is about creating a carbon economic carbon cycle where we can create a circular economy around carbon-based products. And we started by the prize that we have in place is taking carbon out of a coal plant or a natural gas plant and turning that carbon into a product can that can go into the market and create an economic value that can create this circular economy around carbon. So that is one that is active. We have now our finalists going through the testing process, and we're hoping to announce the winners uh, in, in, in about a year or so. And along the same line, we started looking at solutions that will actually now take carbon out of the atmosphere or out of the oceans. And that is one that we're designing, and we are always making sure that we don't prescribe a specific solution, but really spend a lot of time in framing the problem in a way that we can characterize the type of solutions that are needed to make sure that they're scalable, that they're sustainable, that they actually do enough in advancing the solutions into a place that will have a major impact in solving the problem. And as long as the solutions meet those criteria and we can measure them, we don't prescribe what technology they need to be using. For example, they may come up with a solution for plants that would capture carbon and store it in the soil or in the root, or uh, things like kelp in the oceans that can you know, extract CO2, or ways of just directly extracting CO2 from the atmosphere. So it can be any of these solutions, but all of them can compete for the prize and win the prize. So this is one that we're designing right now, and we're creating a coalition of sponsors to really launch this probably our largest ever X prize to really bring massive attention to this problem and hopefully solve it once and for all for everyone. And why are the companies and groups of scientists who are competing for this, why do they do it? I mean, they might not win, right? So maybe they'll spend five years trying to design a system and then they won't win the prize at the end. Why is this a sufficient incentive for them? I mean, why does this work? This is a very good question and something that uh, we really like about this incentive prize model because it's not just about the winner, it's about all those teams that enter and uh, especially the ones that make it to the semifinals. What we've seen is we had, for example, prizes like the Google Lunar X Prize that expired. So the prize purse went away. The teams continued to develop their solutions and it became a project of passion and also a project that they knew once they finish and demonstrate 
the technology, there will be a marketplace for it. And part of the work we do, the prizes we run are not short-term prizes because we actually ask people to build the solution. So they could be anywhere between three, five, sometimes 10 years before they win the prize. So they entered this not just as, you know, I want my idea to win, but they are really committing capital and R&D to building a solution that they believe will have a marketplace. And the work we do in the background is through policy changes, through awareness, create a marketplace for these solutions. Because now we're shining a light about how these companies can solve massive problems and can have a valid business model. That's why, you know, the teams continue to compete, even if they don't win. A lot of them uh, become very successful companies post-prize. And uh, we also see sometimes the companies or the teams merge in this process. So they make it to the semifinals and then one has a technology that's better in one aspect of the solution and the other has this technology that is better in another aspect. And they feel like by combining, they can have a better chance of first, you know, making it to the finals and to winning the prize. So we see collaboration happening, even though it's a competition. And we see um, a lot of companies continuing on even if they don't win the prize. What makes you so sure that there is a solution? How do you know that it's possible to take carbon out of the atmosphere or out of the oceans? As part of our process, when we design a prize, we do a lot of due diligence to make sure that while we push the boundaries and make sure that our prizes are audacious, we make sure that they're achievable. We don't succeed always. Sometimes we're a little bit too ambitious in in our desire, but uh, we want to be on the edge. But we do some studies uh, through a network of advisors and and the experts that we create online and uh, the work we do to see where is the state of technology and how far can it go? What are some of the breakthroughs that are needed uh, to happen to make it possible? Uh, Can they be done based on the Moore's law and the curves that we've seen with technology and price reduction and miniaturization? Can this be achieved in two years from now, for example? And if we see it as a possibility, that's how we design our prizes to make sure that the solutions are sort of pushing the boundaries, but just enough that they can be achieved. And what if there are multiple ways to solve a particular problem? I mean, actually, in the case of carbon extraction, I can imagine there might be completely different technologies which could work. We are actually not concerned about the approach to solve the problem. We're only concerned about solving the problem. So that's why the way we frame the problems are very important for us not to really limit the type of innovations. We would... For example, ask you to remove X amount of carbon out of the atmosphere in so much time at so much cost and be able to do it, for example, for an extended period of time. This doesn't tell you how to do it. It just tells you the outcome that we want out of the solution. But everything that I said are things that can be measured very clearly. So you can come up with whatever solution you want as long as you achieve those criterias. 
And it's important because we don't know what the solutions will look like by saying that you have to do it by using, for example, forestation, reforestation. We may not, that may not be the best solution. Or if we say you have to do it by, you know, putting kelp in the ocean, that may not be the best solution. So we don't prescribe it because we don't know the answers. We want people to come up with answers that we may not even have thought of. But we want to still achieve the final goals, which is we need to get this much carbon out of the atmosphere or we'll be in trouble. And that's the steps that will help us get there. So what kinds of people enter these competitions for your prizes? We basically look for everyone within the field and especially people outside the field. I can tell you that we have people of all sorts of backgrounds and different age groups, genders, um, geographic locations entering for our competitions. We just announced recently the winners of our Ocean Discovery X Prize, and we had a bonus prize uh, sponsored by NOAA, and it was won by a junior high school team. And nobody believed they would win. They were surprised they won. They won $800,000, which is a lot of money for a group of junior high schoolers. On the other side, we have uh, retired scientists who read about a prize in a newspaper and decided to form a team and compete, and then they won. We had a um, person that was a tattoo artist in Las Vegas that learned about our um, ocean cleanup X prize and formed a team and thought about using some of the techniques used to you know, extract ink to use to extract oil when there's an oil spill. So those are the type of innovations that we love because he would have never thought about solving oil cleanup if it wasn't for our prize. And those are the types of innovation that usually come up with the most drastic approach to solving a problem. And uh, those are the type of solutions we love to see. And that's the beauty of XPRIZE. So listeners who are inspired by what you say, what can they do to help contribute to your attempt to solve some of the world's biggest problems? So the first thing I would say is if there is a grand challenge out there that uh, you're passionate about and you want to solve, think of XPRIZE Foundation as a platform, as an impact platform that you can come to us and let us see if we can help solve that problem through incentivized prizes. The other thing I would love for everyone to consider is if they want to go to our website and look at some of our active prizes, if they want to compete and create teams and be part of the solution and and come up with those innovative solutions. We always look for really wide variety of people who would compete for our prizes and to get the word out about our work, because I think it's uh, very important for people to uh, know that there is a this approach uh, about solving problems. Uh, we also have a um, active uh, prize that I think is very important. And as I mentioned before, we have an active um, carbon prize and we're about to launch a new carbon prize. As part of this, we have been looking at creating a coalition that would allow us to create this circular carbon economy. 
And that requires investors, innovators, uh, public and private sector to come together. Um, so these are nascent technologies, even though they're technologically possible and we're going to help them through our process demonstrate valid solutions. They will still require a network of investors that, and policymakers that can help them take these solutions to the market. So anyone who's interested to support us with this activity, to get to know our teams, to invest in them, to help them find um, uh, ways to take their solutions to the market, we would really welcome that. So we know how essential it has become to prevent further climate chaos caused by CO2 emissions. We also know that science and technology can help us out of this mess, or they can get us further into it. Incentivizing the best and brightest minds to focus on a solution is actually such an exciting solution in itself. XPRIZE has been going since 1994, and there's a long history preceding that too. You heard Anoushe talking about this competition, the Ortega Prize, which was a $25,000 prize offered by hotel owner William Ortega back in 1919 for whoever could successfully fly from New York to Paris or vice versa. Charles Lindbergh safely made the trip in 1927, but a number of men were killed and injured trying to get the prize before him. And it's ironic that today some of the CO2 in the atmosphere is emitted by the flights we take around the world. But despite the danger and the unintended consequences of that early competition, it's still so cool to hear that after his win, Charles Lindbergh is reported as saying, I don't believe in taking foolish chances, but nothing can be accomplished by not taking a chance at all. Solvable is a collaboration between Pushkin Industries and the Rockefeller Foundation with production by Laura Hyde, Hester Kant, Laura Sheeter and Ruth Barnes from Chalk and Blade. Pushkin's executive producer is Mia LaBelle, research by Sher Vincent, engineering by Jason Gambrell and the great folks at GSI Studios. Original music composed by Pascal Wise and special thanks to Maggie Taylor, Heather Fine, Julia Barton, Carly Migliori, Jacob Weisberg and Malcolm Gladwell. You can learn more about solving today's biggest problems at rockefellerfoundation.org slash solvable. I'm Maeve Higgins. Now go solve it. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side-by-side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at NerdWallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. 